You know, one thing, one thing we really believe in at this church is we want to give you some Monday morning medicine. What I certainly believe is that what you learn on Sunday, you should be able to apply on Monday. And I want to give you a message today that I think is going to encourage your soul because it's something that we all deal with. So join me. I'm in a really obscure book, uh, but join me in Haggai, the second chapter, or Haggai, the second chapter. It's going to pop up on your screen. This is what it says. It says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It says, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to the high priest Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, and to the remnant of the people. Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look now? Doesn't it seem like nothing in comparison? Even so, somebody say even so. Even so. Be strong, Zerubbabel, for this is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, son, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, you people of this land. This is the Lord's declaration. Work. Somebody say work. For this is what the Lord's declaration of the Lord of armies. Why don't we pray real quick? Father, thank you so much um, for your love towards us. Thank you for your graciousness. Um, thank you for just considering us, Lord, and allowing us to build our life on the firm foundation, which is you. Father, I pray that you will bless these words that will be encouraging to your people and that they be able to apply it the next day so that they can grow in the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, no matter where you are in the religious pendulum, you can be a raging atheist or uh, an agnostic or whether you're a religiously devout person, I think we have at least one thing in common. And that one thing that we have is that we all want to improve the quality of our lives. We all want to see our overall well-being, our quality of life, not just our, uh, not just our standard of living increase, but we want to experience happiness and contentment and vitality over a number of spectrums. And that's why some of you get up in the morning and practice mindfulness. That's why some get up at 5.30 in the morning to work out. That's why others are developing better eating habits, even though Popeye's is luring you as we speak. <laughs> He's luring you. Some of y'all are like, there's nothing wrong with a little Popeye's from time to time. But, but it's because, and the reason we're doing these things, the reason we're doing these things, the, re the reason we're doing these things, praise God, is because we're trying to improve the quality of our life over a number of different spectrums. And so what I want to do, today is because I know that's something that we all want to do. We all want to optimize our well-being. I want to give you a tool that if you apply it like we did last week, it will 10x the quality of your life. If you apply what I'm about to tell you over the next 33 minutes and 49 seconds, I guarantee you it will improve the quality of your life for the rest of your life. Are you ready for the one principle? You ready for it? Here it is. You must learn how to deal with disappointment in a healthy way. You must learn how to deal with disappointment in a healthy way. Being defeated, being deflated, and experiencing defeat, guess what? It's an inevitable part of life. It is something that you and I will all experience regardless of our age, sex, ethnicity, or class, right? It starts at a really, really early age, in fact, where you realize that your expectations don't match your reality. You were hoping for one thing, but you had to settle for another thing. And the gap between your hopes and your reality is something called disappointment. Disappointment starts at a very early age. It's when, you, when the toddler, right? You remember when you're feeding your toddler for the first time? And they were looking at you eating bread pudding or banana pudding, you know, even though bananas don't go on banana pudding. But uh, if you're eating banana pudding, I'm just fine. It's just a joke. It's a joke. I was testing the crowd out. Gosh, testing the crowd out. But they're expecting, oh, y'all the worst. <laughs> y'all the worst. 
Usually these jokes go over well. That didn't go over too well. I got some more in here, though, so just, just hang tight. Hang tight. I've been watching a lot of comedian specials this week, so you're going to see me look down like a comedian, grab my shirt. That means the joke is coming. But, you know, what we've noticed is that disappointment comes very early and happens very often. You know when you're feeding your toddler? And they're expecting for a little bit of banana pudding, and then you slip the spoon underneath and you give them some green peas. Disappointment. Or when you were hoping at a young age you were going to get a new bike, you were like, yeah, I'm getting a new bike, can't wait. And then you opened up the gift, and it was socks and drawers. Terrible. Parents, why we do that? Even though when you get older, you really will appreciate some clean socks and drawers. It's amazing. It's amazing. My God, these are just such high quality. I bought some socks from Walmart last night. I'm walking on heaven right now. I was like, man, I must have been based on a crooked foundation with them old socks. They were mismatched, had holes in them, all type of stuff. Sarah's like, you're telling too much, babe. But listen, I, I know I, I don't have holes in my socks. Sarah throws them away. Anyway, anyway, disappointment is not just an experience that's limited to our adolescence, is it? It's something that happens when we get older. Some of you are living with what I can describe as constant low-grade disappointment. You have this constant low-grade disappointment with how your life has turned out. And it doesn't matter. Like some of us have just gotten out of high school. We aced that SAT and we're like, yes, I'm going on to this amazing college. And then we had to settle for another school because the money didn't come through. Or you finally got into college that you really wanted. You were like, this is awesome. And then you make it through two years and realize that you don't know what you really want to do. Or you got into college and then you you finally graduated and you thought that you were going to do a bunch of different things. And then you took a job that was below or beneath your capacity. And it led to disappointment. Or some of us were expecting by this time in our life we would be married. We were ready to walk down the aisle with our beautiful dress or at least go to the courthouse. We expected at least the courthouse, right? We would have settled for the courthouse, but you met that man in your dreams. Oh, he was handsome. He had high beard strength. Woo, he had that beard. Well, you remember? He had that jawline y'all really like. You know what I'm saying? You're like, whoa, look at that. Beard connecting and going on. He don't need to use the dye. The beard just, it's just lustrous. But then, yeah, he looked good. Yeah, he looked good. And then after a few months, you realize he was emotionally abusive. And you realize because he was very, very attractive that he liked to use women for what they had and then dump them when he was done. Disappointment. Some of y'all are like, well, I met the man of my dreams and we're walking down the aisle and we got a marriage, but you didn't realize that marriage was work. That's because we live in a culture that spends too much energy on the wedding and not enough on the marriage. We plan to be, have a successful marriage. You better, you, you, we, a successful wedding, you better plan to have a successful marriage. Because you don't want to divorce a few years later and then have to pay that bill. Let me go on. That ain't part of my series. That ain't, I just, just throwing that out there. Just trying to help the people. Like, so you had a broken marriage, so you've been working at it. And you were like, I know what can fix my broken marriage. Here it is. Kids. I'm going to have a mini me. I'm finally going to have somebody that can love me for uniquely me. That kid, that worked out for about how long? Three weeks? And then now that child is older, and what are you, broken busy? Disappointment. Some of you are like, man, I can't wait till I get this new job. It's gonna, I'm going to change the life. Wait till I get this $25,000 raise. It's going to bring so much satisfaction, only to find out that everybody in that department gossips about each other, sleeps with each other, complain about the workload, 
And so you are emotionally taxed and worn out because it's just not what you heard. Some of us have been dieting. You just started keto. You just started keto. You you counting calories. You eating beneath the calorie count. And then you got on the scale and you actually put on weight. You like for all this, I could have just ate at Popeye's. I could have just stopped. I would have been happy. I could have just gone to Wendy's and got the four for four situation with the, with the hamburger. I would have been happy. It's sure it's a little salty. And it suits your blood pressure up and your left side be shaking a little bit. But, but at least it tastes good. At least it's good to my soul. Disappointment. Disappointment. And then some of us are used to letting, letting ourselves down. We're used to that. We start something and then we can't finish it. Or then we let other people down or, or situations let us, let us down. But here's the category that many of us feel guilty about. Is what do you do when you feel like God has let you down? What do you do when you've been praying for that thing to come through? And, you're, and you've been, listen, you've been praying in Jesus' name. And you know that when you pray in Jesus' name, it's just not a magical incantation that you tack on the back of the prayer. It's praying in accordance to his authority and his power. You've been praying, and then you've been quoting scriptures back to him. Have you not? You said, I can have anything. In, Lord, you said, anything that I do that I'm praying accordance to your will, you will do. And you're like, surely, Jesus, you can come through on this. And he'd be like, nah, that's not what I want to do. What do you do with the disappointment of that? How do you pick up the broken pieces of your life when you're disappointed with your life, you've grown disappointed with others, and ultimately you're disappointed with God? And I suspect that what we do is something very unhealthy. Because many of us believe in God, but we don't really trust him. We don't really trust him. We'd be like, yeah, you probably can make me get, it, get to heaven, but I don't think you can navigate me on earth. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to trust in my own hustle and my own grind and my own grit. And I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps. How did that work out? It's not working out well. And so what some of us do is we just quiet quit on Jesus. Right? So, so we pray when we're in a crunch. Right? Like it's a lot of churches on, out there putting up social media clips. So you'll catch a little one-minute clip from time to time that resonates with you. Or sometime when you want to feel inspired, you'll listen to a worship song. But that's mostly it. And you came today because a friend invited you, but deep down you have a deep sense that you don't even really want to be here, but you came because you heard we have snacks. And you know that the kids are going to have fun because we got a ball bounce. That's just a setup. That's all that is. We got that ball bounce so your kids don't want to leave, and then it gives me time to talk to all of you. That's, that's really a, it's a setup. I'm sorry. Here, there goes our cards. I'm telling you the cards. But some of you came with very, very low expectations. Because you're afraid that God is going to let you down again. And so today, this is what I want to do. I want to give you some encouragement. I'm going to give you some pain medicine. And I want to help you see that you can push through your discouragement. You know why I love the Bible? It's because the Bible is not a book of superheroes. Peter wasn't a superhero. He denied Jesus three times. And then was about to cut Boyle's head off and then ended up slicing his ear. He ain't no hero. Paul... Hit a boy, hit, got, he, he consented to hurting other people. He was a conspirator and a murderer. Moses, murderer. Jacob, liar. I love it. I love the Bible. Because it's not a group of sanitized stories. It's a group of people who are broken, messed up, just like you and I. And it's about one ultimate superhero named Jesus 
that saves the biggest issue that we have is to deliver us from our sin so that we can live a new life with him. That's why I like to call the Bible a hymn book because it's all about him. Right. He is in every story, ever overarching narrative and everything you see. He was the lamb that was slain so that Adam and Eve could have clothes to walk out of the Garden of Eden. He was Noah's Ark. You remember Noah's Ark when the when the water came and it was going to flood over everybody. But the Ark kept them away from the from experiencing power, experiencing punishment. That's Jesus. He is the Ark that holds people up to keep them from. It's just not about animals. It's about Jesus. And so that's why I really love the Bible. So today we're in this really obscure book. Some of y'all last week didn't even know where it was at. Y'all was like, is that a book of the Bible? What's that? How he say it? Hey, hey, I, whatever. But it's a really good book. I'm telling you, it's a really good book. Let me just give you a little bit of context and then I'll jump in, okay? And so this book was, was written during the, time about, during the time that the Jewish people were allowed to return back from Babylonian captivity. They were in Babylonian captivity, which was a nation at that time, very, very powerful nation, for 70 years. And then the Babylonian, kept, the Babylonian Empire fell to the Persian Empire. And then the newly minted king, who was Cyrus, decided that he was going to let 50,000 Jews go back and rebuild Jerusalem because it had been destroyed a century earlier. And so what happens in our narrative is 50,000 go back and they're like, "Woo, we are free. Let's go back. So you know what they did? They, they started by rebuilding the walls. Because you needed protection from your enemies during that time. You didn't have cybersecurity, right? You couldn't just see what, so you had to build a wall. You had to put somebody up on the wall. So they built the wall. Then they built uh, the foundation of the temple because the temple was where God mediated his presence to people at. So they were really, really excited and they were building the temple, but then they got opposition. The Samaritan, who were really their cousins, wrote letters to the king and said, hey, these people are very rebellious and they shouldn't be building, et cetera, et cetera. So the work stopped for 16 years. Somebody say 16 years. 16 years. That's a long time. And so God sends them an alarm clock called the prophet. His name is Haggai. And Haggai is like, yo, it's time for you to wake up from your spiritual stupor, from your spiritual inertia, and get to building this temple. And so what I think happens is, but shortly after, they're like, in chapter one, they're like, yeah, we're building a temple. It's like when you start off uh, your New Year's resolutions, you're like, I'm getting in shape. I'm doing it. I'm going to the gym, Planet Fitness, $10. I'm about to get it. And then right around February, you kind of stop. Gym gets empty again. Well, listen, that's what they did in this passage. They started building. They was like, these rocks are heavy. These boulders are so heavy. Who put these boulders together? This is, this is messed up, right? Like, they just didn't want to do the hard work. So three weeks after they started, they quit. Let me just tell you, you need to be careful about doing stuff when you're inspired or motivated. Because once that inspiration runs off, you need conviction that God wants you to do it. We quoted Jim Jones last week. Can I just quote him one more time? Can I just quote him from Dipset? Can I do that without y'all looking at me funny? When you can't stay motivated, stay consistent. That's brilliant. Let me go on. Here we go. But what he does in this passage, I think he does, he does two things. And I want to help us with this today. Number one, we're going to diagnose our disappointment. First thing we're going to do is diagnose our disappointment. I'm going to give you three reasons why we get, we, we get disappointed. And I'm going to treat it like I'm WebMD today. Okay? So we're going to diagnose our disappointment. Then I'm going to show you how to deafen your disappointment. Okay? Deafen your disappointment. Uh, anytime, let's start with diagnosing your disappointment. Anytime you take a car into a shop, right? My check engine light been on so long, I don't even, I'm just, I just put a black piece of tape over it. I'm like, it's all right. Just pray over it. 
Jesus, it's going to be all right. Just help it, help it to go, Jesus. It's a 2003 Mazda MPV, Jesus. I could do better, but why? Because it's paid off, Jesus. Just help it to keep working. Help it, Jesus. Help it, Lord. Please start up. I'm like, yes, Lord. Made it another day. Made it another day. Oh, anytime you take your car to the shop, it's because the check engine light is on, typically. And when the check engine light comes on, it's really letting you know that something has malfunctioned in the vehicle. And so what a good mechanic does is they hook up a diagnostic tool to the vehicle, and so they let you know what's happening. And the same thing that applies to a vehicle often applies to our lives because our emotions are often the tool or the diagnostic tool used to let us know that something has gone awry in our hearts. And so what God does in verse 3 is rather than gaslighting, he invites them to experience the full range of their emotion. He's like, I know that you are discouraged. I know you're disheartened. And let's talk about that. But he also tells us three primary dysfunctions. Are you ready for the first one? Here's why we get discouraged. Here's the first reason. Because we long for the past instead of embracing the present. We long for the past instead of embracing. Look what he says. He says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Hmm. Can I be honest with you? You're not going to judge me? I really miss the old Kanye West. I miss him. When it all, it all falls down. Y'all, y'all, y'all backsliding right there. I just miss him. I'm going to just be honest. Like, I love college dropout. The major that you majored in don't make no money. You know, I loved it. I love the polo shirt wearing, the Louis Vuitton bag wearing guy. I love Donda's baby. I don't know who this new self-saturated anti-Semite bully is on, online. I don't know who that is. But I here's what I realize is that fans like myself need to be careful because we can idolize someone's past and not deal with their, for with their current reality. In other words, fans like me can wish that 2004 came back. And we can idolize what happened in the past and not deal with what's happening in the present. Can I tell you that the children of Israel did the same thing? They wanted their old Kanye back. They wanted the temple that Solomon was building. They're like, can we have the temple that Solomon was building long ago? You know, the one with all the gold. You know, the one that had the Ark of the Covenant. The one that had Moses' budding rod in it and all that type of stuff. Had a piece of manna to remind us of, that God can provide. We want that back. Like, they're like, I don't know what this one is. I don't know what's happening. I don't see the glory of the Lord. It doesn't have any of the gold furnishings. Like, they don't like the, they want the splendor of the old one, not the, not the present one that they have. And here's the thing. I think that's also analogous to our lives. Because the reason that we become discouraged is because our present reality doesn't live to up to the standard of our past. Some of us are perpetually disappointed because we're always thinking about back in the day. We think, oh, if I could just get a time machine and go back to my heyday, maybe I'll be happy. Listen, it's nothing wrong with thinking about the past. The past is a good thing. There's a lot of great memories back there. Some of you got married back there. Some of you had childbirth back there. There's a, there's a lot of celebrations. But there's a difference between reminiscing about the past and living in the past. Huge difference. Some of us are just trying to cling so much to a former season that we can't embrace the new season that God is trying to get us to walk into. Right? You know, you know exactly what this looks like. It's the person that always, the dude in high school. 
The dude always want to talk about what happened in high school. You're like, you know, I was a letterman. And you know, I was, I, you know, I was college, bar, you know, I played varsity. It's like, yeah, man, but that was 20 years ago. And you wasn't even that fly back then, bro. You were wearing Paco jeans, starter shirt. And then when you did wear polos, they weren't even ironed. Like, you wasn't that fly. It's a young lady that gets to college and always wants to show you pictures of her first year of college when she really thought she was fat back then. She's like, oh, I thought I was fat back then. I was really in shape. Always want to show you that. Listen, you can reminisce, but you can't relive. You can't bring those times back. Here's the thing. I think we have been too influenced by social media culture. If you get on social media right now, you will see that our stories are popping. Oh, they look good. Oh, God, get on social media after you're done with this. It looks good, right? Like we got the, check, the kids check-in and we got Rob up here singing. It's beautiful. But you know what we didn't catch a glimpse of? When we were here at 6 a.m. praying. When we were setting up this stuff last night at midnight. Well, not we, because uh, I wasn't here. But <laughs> I, I, like to say, you know, I like to say I was here, but I, I, I was in the band. I had to work the next day, you know what I'm saying? That's why Pastor Jacob work here, right? You know what I'm saying? To get it together. And so, like, we didn't post any of those things. And here's what I realized is, like, our past, like what we try to do is we will remember the highlights, but we will always forget the lowlights. Like, if you think about your Instagram story, you will post about when you were on that beach in San Tropez, or you on that beach in the Caribbean with the warm water, right? You just got the French pedicure. You trying to show off your toes and all that, right? You'll do that. But what about when you were running to get that on that plane at 5 a.m.? You don't post that. You don't post that. It's because we live the, we want to skip to the good part type of life. We want the highlights. We don't want the lowlights. We want to jump from mountaintop to mountaintop, but you don't know that God does most of his work in the valley. How do I know? Can I give you something? David defeating Goliath, he learned how to sling that rock when he was in the valley. He didn't learn how to do that on the battlefield. Like some of y'all just need to embrace your obscurity in this season. You think God has forgotten about you. You think God has overlooked you. He has not. He's just kept you in obscurity because he's trying to develop you. He's trying to cultivate you. He's trying to build you. You better sling the rock or however you do it. Whatever you, whatever you do. You might be left-handed. Figure out how to sling the rock. Somebody say sling the rock. Oh, Lord. I like that. So, so let me just say especially if you're a follower of Jesus today, that God is not the God of the past. He didn't say I was. He says I am in the present. And if you focus too much on your present and don't pursue or focus too much on your past and don't embrace your present, what you're going to do is disable your future. Just trying to help somebody. All right, let me give you the second reason. You ready? When you look for flaws in everything, Oh, nobody, nobody was quiet on that one. I didn't hear a, oh, Lord, on that one. If we had an organ, we would have did something today. Anyway, they too expensive, too expensive, too expensive. So Albert Einstein, you see that segue? Albert Einstein had a class of physicists in his class one day. So one day he's writing on the board. He's writing a math equation, 9 plus 1 equals 9. 9 times 2 equals uh, 18. Nine times three is 28. It's 27, by the way. 27. <laughs> Got you. And so he gets to nine times seven, and he writes the wrong answer. And then everyone in the class laughed at him. 
They scolded him. And then he looked at them. He said, huh, that's interesting. He said, you know, the problem with our culture is that instead of celebrating what's right, we laugh at people when they get something wrong. And he silenced the whole crowd. And that's what's happening with the children of Israel in this passage is they are just nitpicking this temple. They're not even done yet. They haven't even got all the rubble up. But they're like, no, this is, it's not enough gold. It's not enough rubble. Like, it's all this rubble. And God says to them, how does it look to you now? And one of the reasons that we struggle with disappointment is because we're constantly finding fault in things. Constantly finding fault. We obsess about the fault. You could have the best day ever. You could wake up on time, have a little time with Jesus, if you're married, your spouse got up and cooked you breakfast. Hallelujah. Your kids didn't bust into your door waking you up. You get to work. You don't have a work full of emails. You know what I'm saying? You came home. You was able to catch your show. But we will remember the burnt coffee at Starbucks. We will remember all of the negative things instead of meditating and being thankful for all the good things that happen. Here's the thing. We are constant complainers and nitpickers. And here's the problem with being a fault finder is that it ruins your self-perception. Because when you're always picking out the faults in other people, it can give you the appearance that you're superior. And what's happening is you're not giving people the grace that God has given you. God doesn't pick out all your flaws. He doesn't challenge you about all, your, all the thoughts that come to your mind, all the people you done cussed out, all the people that you've thought about and, and, and fantasized about in your mind. He doesn't do that to us. But we love to do that to others. And Jesus says, if that's you today, I have a word from you from Matthew 7, verse 5. You a hypocrite. He says, take out the log in your eye before you remove the speck in your brother's eye. In other words, we've all got a law, but we've got to stop doing that. And you know why? You know why fault finding is really bad? It's because it's, it boosts or subconsciously boosts our egos and our self-esteem. By putting others down, it makes us feel good. Y'all with me today, church? Y'all didn't like that point. It's all good. Let me go. Let me go. Here, here's, here's the third one. You're constantly comparing yourself to others with the wrong motives. That's what the children of Israel are doing in this, par in this paragraph is they're comparing the old temple with the new temple. And can I just tell you, say something? I know Eleanor Roosevelt said that comparison is a thief of joy, but can I be honest? That's a lie. That's a lie. The first thing Adam does when he sees Eve in the garden is he does a short comparative essay. He said, oh, you are a woman. You have a different set of anatomy that's different than mine. He was comparing and contrasting. He was like, you don't look like me, and that's a good thing. The gospel is about comparison. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. We don't meet God's holy standard, and we should pay back in hell for an eternity. But Jesus is not a victim. He becomes a martyr. He decides that he's going to volunteer to pay, our sin, pay for our sins on the cross of Calvary, resurrect, then give us the medal. He's like, I won this race, but I'm going to give it to you. If there was no comparison between sinful people and a holy God, we wouldn't have the beauty of salvation. So what I'm saying is that it can be healthy. And can I give you a practical note on how it can be healthy? You know, I've been trying to work out with a trainer recently, trying to get rid of the dad body. You know what I'm saying? So I'm out there working out with him one day. He just got engaged. Shout out to him. I'm out there working out with him, and he had the nerve to take his shirt off. I'm like, man, I know I'm at your house, and I know I'm working out in your garage, and I know you're training me, but why are you taking your shirt off like that? 
And so I was trying not to look at him. Can I be honest? I was trying not to look at him. And so, like, we were doing the workouts or whatever, and I'd be like, just sneak, sneak a peek. Ball had abs stopping all the way. You ever met them people? Abs all the way to the back. All the way to the back. All chiseled and stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get like that. I'm going to make sure I change my eating habits. Sort of. Sort of. So I'm going to sort of work on it. I'm working. It's something about that hood Chinese food that I just can't. I love that one woo. It's something about that pork fried rice. Hallelujah. Like, you're back, Mr. Grant? I am back, sir. You don't have to say it like that. I am. I am. Now, give me my pork fried rice, steamed dumplings, and give me the uh, boneless spare ribs, well done, with the spicy sauce on it. Make, it. make it happen quickly, sir. Oh, sure, Mr. Grant. How's the church going? Stop acting like you know me like that, man. Man, it's actually going really good. Though. I'm glad you asked. I'm trying to get my, my health situation together. But, but here's the thing. If I didn't compare... My man body by his masculine body, it would not have pushed me to success. Can I be honest with somebody? Like mentoring is really comparison. You see that someone is ahead of you and farther along than you. And so what you want to do is get to where they go. So you ask them to mentor you and show you the ropes. There's nothing wrong with comparison. But the problem with comparison is when we salivate over others gifts and we repackage ourselves to be and act just like them. I just need some of y'all to just embrace this fact. Some people have more advantages than you. Their beard is better than yours. Their metabolism is faster than yours. They got all the social connections. They have all the wealth. They got all the skills. That is just the reality. But what has God given you? What has he given you? Because the way that you're looking at that person, oftentimes there are people looking at you the same way. And you're like, you're looking at me like that? Don't you know that I'm messed up and I'm raggedy? But you got something. He, you remember when Moses was about to part the Red Sea? He's sitting up there and God said to him, he said, Moses is praying like, oh God, I don't know what to do. Then God said to him, what's in your hand? And he had the rod in his hand. He's like, wave that over to sea and watch what I do. And let me just ask you today, church, what's in your hand? What do you have that God has given you that you can use for his glory and build his church and build your life and better your family? What has God, what is in your hand? Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? Y'all sitting close to each other anyway. It's all right. Stop worrying about what's in other people's hands. They aren't you. You aren't them. Use what God has given you. Here's the thing. And ultimately, when you are not a good steward over what God has given you, you are believing the lie that Adam and Eve believed in the garden. Because the devil told them, tempted them. He slithered up to them. He was like, has God said? Has he said that if you eat it, y'all ain't like to slither? I'm sweating bad in this coat, by the way, but I'm going to keep it on because it's fly. I'm sweating bad. I'm sweating. Just want you to know. I'm doing bad up here. I'm doing bad. I got lint all in my face. Uh, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, slithering. However, snake. Well, he had legs, so he probably just like bounced over. So he walks up. Eve, he walks up. He says, "Has God said that if you eat this, you'll die?" Calling God a liar. He knows that if you eat this, you'll be like gods. He's calling God restrictive. And what some of us do is when we salivate over other people's gifts, we are saying that God is stingy and restrictive with us. But what I would say is, 
God has given you gifts, but some of us, can I just be honest with you? Some of us are too lazy to develop them. He gave you gifts. He gave you abilities, but you like comfort better. You like Netflix. You like Hulu. You like to watch all the shows instead of working on your craft, working on your art. I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry. That was last week's message. Let me go on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't get mad with me. Don't get mad. All right. So those were the three things that caused your disappointment. Let me talk about how you deafen your disappointment. Are you ready? Deafen your disappointment. Here's the first one. A view disappointment as an opportunity to grow in resilience. View disappointment as an opportunity to grow in resilience. Three times God says in this passage, be strong. I love it. He says, I need you to be strong. Now, I want you to know that this is not the first time God has said this to his people. This is actually very familiar in the, in the narrative. Because as Moses died and the people were mourning over him dying, and Joshua was about to take people into the new land, he said in Joshua 1.9, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. As David was dying on his deathbed, he looked at his son, Solomon, who was young and inexperienced and about to take over the kingdom. And he said, son, I need you to be strong. I need you to be strong. Be strong, son. Why is God telling us to be strong? It's because he's trying to get us to develop the ability to bounce back when we have hardships. You got to have some bounce back. He's like, listen, I know you just walked out of the collective trauma called Babylonian captivity. I know you got a little bit of Babylon in your heart and you haven't truly acclimated to this new land. But what I'm trying to tell you is even though you are worn out and tired, I still need you to work because I'm trying to take you to the next level. Like some of you in here have been praying that God would open up a door and do some things for you. Well, let me just say before God does anything for you, he has to do it in you. You hear what I'm saying? David worked on his skills in the valley. Joseph had to go to a pit to work on his character and to rid him of all of his uh, of all of his arrogance and the pride. Then he had to work and refine his skills in the prison so that when God elevated him to the second in command in Egypt, he would know how to save the crop and how to take care of the nation. Are y'all hearing me? So a lot of times your disappointment is just God saying, I'm trying to prepare you for what you've been praying over. But you get so upset and so angry with me when I'm just trying to really help you. Y'all ain't here. Let me help. I got some Bible. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? Jeremiah 12, 5. If you raced with runners, you out there racing with runners, and they wore you out, how can you compete with the horses? Somebody say, that's in the Bible. You didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? It's in it. He said, if, if, if you stumble in a peaceful land where there's no problems, how are you going to make it through the thicket of the Jordan? Can I give you the modern translation? If you get worn out with your coworkers, if you take the same hour and a half breaks with them and you still are gossiping with them, how in the world are you going to be the department head when your coworkers have to become your subordinates? He's like, how in the world are you going to enjoy this beautiful new house that I have for you when you don't clean, you don't take care of, and you don't manage the budget in that apartment that I've already given to you? If God gave some of us the things that we've been asking for him right now, it would be detrimental to our emotional and our spiritual health. And it would distract us. Let me go on. So I know y'all don't want to hear that. Anyway, if, if, if you want that body, some of us are getting tired in the warm up. You know, the warm up, like when you're working out. No. OK. All right. It's cool. It's cool. What I'm saying is God is trying to build your emotional, spiritual capacity. 
Because before you can take on what he has for you, you have to work with what you already have. Here's the second one. Work instead of wallow. Yeah? Only my wife amen on that one. Work instead of wallow. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not good at throwing parties. No, I, I'll come to your party and listen, I will have fun too. I will dance. I will part. I will do it all. I'm telling you. Well, not all. You know what I mean. Within the realm of holiness. Holiness is here. I'm in here. Okay. I'm in that box of holiness. Like I love, I love part. Like, I love to go to parties. I don't plan them well, but you know, one party that I do plan very well, pity parties. Woo. Nobody knows how to feel sorry. Sorry for Ernest Cleo Grant II, like Ernest Cleo Grant II, boy. Oh man. It's so bad. Sometimes my wife is like, can you stop whining? Boy, it ain't that bad. It's all you all right. And listen, the problem with pity parties is that it leads us to self-absorption and to focus on our problems and realizing that God has not created us just to work or deal with our problems. He wants us to pray for and help other people's in their problems. Does that, does that make sense? Like it's okay to suffer a loss, but like some of us have suffered a loss and got knocked down and we still down. You're still on a, you know, the other day, I told the first service this, my son, um, we stay in the hotel right now. Uh, till we transition to our new house. And my son was trying to jump up on the bed. So he jumps on the bed and boom, he just fell. And my wife didn't hear it. Otherwise, she would have ran over and tried to help him. I just looked him in the face and I was like, Dag, that's crazy, isn't it? Is that crazy? And he looked at me, he kind of scratched his head. He's like, yeah, Dad, that was crazy. But I tell you this, he got back up. He got back up. Because sometimes children will fall down like that because they like the attention of their parent. And a lot of us, I'm almost ready, I'm almost, I promise you, I'm sorry, I messed up, I'm sorry. I, I, a lot of times we fall down like that because we like the attention of our parents. And a lot of us, we do the same thing over and over again, and the reason that we don't get up is because we like how people treat us. We like people feeling sorry for us, and we like to feel sorry for ourselves. But God is looking at us, looking at us like, that's crazy, isn't it? It's time for you to get up. I've given you more than enough grace. I've died on the cross for you. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've taken care of you. I've given you skills. I need you to get up. The only difference between a righteous and an unrighteous person is that a righteous person falls down seven times, but they get up eight times. Get up, girl. Get up, my man. Get your behind up and do what God has called you to do. Get up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. All right, Jay, I'm ready. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm ready. I'm ready. Musicians hate that, by the way. This is the second week I've done this. Did I tell you how hot I was in this coat? All right, here's the third one. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Play the long game. Play the long game. Play the long game. How you deafen your disappointment is by playing the long game. See, the reason that some of us are discouraged right now is because we want results right now. We want to invest in this season and we want to harvest tomorrow. We want a spiritual get-rich-quick scheme. We want microwave maturity. We want microwave results. We want instant success. And what we really need to do is play the long game. Some of us just need to get better tomorrow. Let tomorrow be a better day than yesterday. You know what that leads to? Compound interest. Your effort just keeps on compounding. When you work on that instrument one day, it compounds the next day and it compounds the next day. And eventually you're skilled and you know what you're doing. Like you're trying to figure out, can I start reading the Bible? Can I trust God? Well, listen, it's compound interest. If you, you know what obedience is? It's slow obedience in the right direction. A lot of us just want it instantaneous. So you got to play the long game. And that's why Jesus, that's why he says in this, this verse, verse 9, he says, the former 
the final glory of this house will be greater than the former glory. He's like, Zerubbabel, you don't know this right now. But all of that stuff that you're doing right now is going to lead to this temple lasting 500 years. And then after this temple lasts 500 years, Herod is going to come. He's going to expand it, and he's going to trick it out and put more gold in there than you imagine. Here's what God is trying to say to somebody in here. Stop being nearsighted. Because what he takes the small, insignificant things, and he builds them into amazing things. Mom, every day you do homeschool, you are building that child up so that they can embark on and be a Christ follower in all of the world. Teacher, I know that it's hard in that classroom, but each day you show that child how to do their alphabet or their numbers or teach them history, you are freeing them from being nervous or apprehensive about reading in front of people and succeeding in the world. They know they got it. So like some of us are doing things we think is insignificant, but God takes insignificant things and he builds them up for his glory and he's building you up. I know you feel insignificant. I know you feel like your life is not worth it. It's not valuable because you're not doing what this person is doing. God is like, I'm trying to work with you. But the only way that you're going to experience the fullness of what God is building is if you build alongside them. Some of us are trying to build our own kingdoms. We're trying to build our own wealth and our own platforms and our own prestige. And that stuff is like building sandcastles on the beach. Yes, it might be beautiful, but it doesn't have any foundation. And eventually the winds will come and the winds will blow and it will destroy that place. But God is like, I'm trying to build you up. I know that you have daddy issues. I know that your daddy was cheap and he wasn't there for you. But I want you to know that you have a father in heaven that can't stop singing and celebrating about you. I know you have some mommy issues and they shamed you into success. But I want you to know that I love you despite you accomplishing anything at all. I know you came in here because you were invited by the friend and you were disappointed with the way your life is going. But I want you to know that you being here is evidence that I'm still with you. I've given you that body. I've given you that blood and that oxygen. You didn't create yourself. You didn't create your wealth. I am doing all this for you. And, and God is saying that I want to rebuild your life. Because ultimately, I've done that on the cross of Calvary. The biggest issue that each of every one of us have had is the sin that's in our hearts. Sin is that pervasive thing in our hearts that causes us to turn on ourselves and make ourselves God instead of worshiping the real and true God. It's the thing that causes us to seek satisfaction outside of the cross. It's the thing that causes us to to want to feel fulfillment outside of the auspices of God. And because of that, it costs us an eternity to pay back in eternity. But Jesus said that I am going to become a volunteer. I see, that they're, I see that they're far away from me. So I'm going to leave the comforts of heaven. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to wallow. I'm going to get down there and I'm going to work for their salvation. I'm going to go to that cross. I'm going to have the sins from the past, the present, and the future poured out on me. And then after that, I'm going to resurrect to show that I made the payment. I covered the cost. You want to do something significant and you want to make sure that you're not disappointed in life. The biggest thing you can do is come to Jesus because Jesus knows how to heal you. And so here's what I want to do. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. And I don't want to embarrass you. But here's what I want to say. You came in. There was a connect card on that connect card. Give us as much information as you feel comfortable with. And on the back, tell us about the next step that you want to take. Maybe it's go to open house. Maybe it's to come to Christ. We want to help you get to where Jesus wants you to go. Listen, you don't have to do the long jump today. We just want to encourage you 
to take a small baby step. Because God says, if you take one step toward me, I promise to take two towards you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for those under the sound of my voice. Lord, you know the myriad of people that are discouraged and disheartening and just really messed up about how their lives are transpiring right now. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help them through their discouragement, that they would be reminded of how much you love them and you care for them, and that you would help them take next steps in the Christian faith. Lord, we love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody that agree with that say, amen. Amen. Do me a favor. Turn your attention to the screens for a few brief announcements. For ACTV News, I'm Katrina. And I'm Stu. Hope you guys enjoyed the worship and the word from Pastor Earn today. Yes, it was great. Um, but the fun doesn't stop. We've no, it got doesn't. A photo booth. We've got cider, and we've got face paint. I think I'm gonna go to the photo booth mm -hmm. while drinking cider, while I get my face paint. What you think? I think I might join you yes. there at the photo booth, and I hope to see you guys there too. For sure, for sure. Here at Accelerate Church, we want to help you take your next steps. We have two every week: open house and pray first. Open House is where you can become a part of the ACTV family, and it happens at the end of every service. We also have Pray First. Um, it's an opportunity for us to gather as a church. We pray on Zoom Wednesday mornings at 6.30 a.m., as well as Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. We believe that prayer is a secret sauce to our growth and development individually. Am I going to see you there, Stu? Yeah, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at least once, you know, camera on. So yes, you'll see camera me there, on. For sure, on Zoom. <laughs> on Zoom. There we go. Mark your calendars. Vision Sunday is happening on October 30th. This is where Pastor Earn shares the vision for Accelerate Church leading into 2023. Yes, and also mark your calendars for November 13th, where we start at the movies, where we'll cover some biblical themes in popular movies. And don't worry, we got the popcorn on us. Well, that's the news. Follow us on our socials. We've got Facebook, Instagram, as well as YouTube. Or our website, AccelerateChurch.tv. Woo! Thank you. All right, we're back in business. Did y'all, did y'all, are y'all happy y'all came to church today? Come on, that's awesome. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Uh, we want to give you the opportunity to give back to God as he has graciously given to you through our tithes and offering. If this is your first time here or you're new, I promise you we don't have a $20 offering line, $30. We don't do that. In fact, we have a gift for you. And so if you fill out that connect card and take it to the next step station, we actually have a gift that we want to put in your hands uh, just for as a token of our appreciation for you being here today. But if you desire to give, we have a few different ways you can give at our giving kiosk in the back. You can text ACTV to 77977 or you can give online at acceleratechurch.tv forward slash give. And as Katrina and Stu said, like I am so excited uh, because in a few weeks we're going to be having Vision Sunday. I'm going to tell you what God has laid on our heart and then, yes, that's exciting. But then after that, we're doing something called At The Movies. I know a lot of us have no idea what that is. So let me tell you, we are going to take modern movies 
and show us how they have spiritual application. So in other words, we're going to take a clip of a movie and I'm going to preach about it. Take a clip of a movie and preach about it. We're going to have a bunch of popcorn here, princesses. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing that. Somebody's wondering. We're doing that because who doesn't want to have movies at the church? Yeah? No? No? Okay. We'll come back to that. It's going to be really great. I promise you. I promise you it's going to be great. All right, listen, we're going to dismiss you. We want to encourage you, if you can stay, to go right back outside these doors. We've got Ball Bounces, Apple Cider Station. We would love for you to take some time to celebrate with us. If you have to go, we understand. Lift up your hands and receive this benediction now unto the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be glory and honor, dominion and power forever and ever. And everyone that agree with that, say amen. Go in. 